Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Jimmy, and uh, this is our special guest star we have on today, Best Virginian. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And uh, welcome to Spooky Appalachia. This week, we're going to cover kind of a deep dive into the Flatwoods Monster. Um, Flatwoods Monster is a uh, big favorite for both of us. Uh, Best Virginian I decided to have on because he's the only other person I know that loves the Flatwoods Monster as much as I do. That 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 is very and, true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody else that loves it as much as us. Um, I guess we both love it because uh, it's one that's, you know, that happened. It's not very far from where either one of us live. And I guess that might be part of it. And, you know, Flatwoods Monster Braxy just looks pretty cool. I've got my Flatwoods Monster shirt on and I've got Braxy right here behind me. joining us today so I couldn't be more prepared and uh, well okay I will uh, I'll start us off um, so first we want to paint a picture of what the uh, area of Sutton West Virginia was like in 1952 when this all went down the town was a lot smaller than it is today. The population was around 300 people back then. Um, it was very small and an isolated town. Um, I think the interstate didn't even go by there like it does today. Uh, we should also mention that around this time frame um, of these stories, was about five years after the Roswell incident. I did not know this. Um, I guess I, it never clicked. Um, flying saucers were a hot topic around the entire country back then. And uh, in the days leading up to the uh, first sighting of Braxy, there had been several flying saucers sighted uh, in the area and uh, several reports. Um, Best Virginian, if you want to kick off the first story. On September 12th, 1952, around 7 o'clock on a Friday evening, a group of young boys consisting of Eugene Lemon, Neil Nunley, Eddie May, Freddie May, and Ronnie Shaver also were playing football on the lawn of the Flatwoods Elementary School. Suddenly, the group saw what they described as a fireball fly quickly overhead and appear to land vertically on a nearby hilltop just past the Fisher Farm. The boys were in disbelief. They weren't sure if what they had just seen was a flying saucer, a meteorite, or an airplane crash. Did people need help? Should they report it? The boys ran to Eddie and Freddie's grandparents' house. Their mother, Kathleen May, was there at the time. The boys explained the story to their relatives. Kathleen May joined the group of boys and headed out to the hilltop where the mysterious object had appeared to land. On the way up the steep hill, they noticed a pulsating or flashing light accompanied by loud hissing and banging sounds. Once they got a bit closer, they noticed a terrible sulfuric smell 
the group finally came up on the object they saw previously and found out right away it was not a meteorite. To their surprise, it was some type of craft. At this point, the group decided it might be best to get out of there. But before leaving, they noticed movement next to a nearby tree. They shined a flashlight towards the movement, and that's when they saw the creature. It was about 12 foot tall with round, blood-red face and bright glowing eyes that illuminated the area. It also had a helmet or shroud over its head, described as being shaped like the ace of spades from a playing card stack. The rest of its body appeared to be made of some type of green metallic material. It was terrifying, so they began to run. As they were trying to get away, it sprayed them with an oil of some kind. The creature did not walk, but hovered after them. The group managed to escape unharmed, but each member felt sick for several days after the incident. Unsurprisingly, the media had a field day with the incident, and the group now known as The Seven became quite famous. They even traveled as far as New York City to appear on talk shows to discuss what they saw. Um, One thing is, it's also worth noting, just before this event happened, another fiery object had uh, been reported uh, to have crashed along the Elk River, and there were several witnesses to this. And uh, as well as a lady who reported seeing a creature next to uh, this object that had crashed, and uh, she was she saw it as she was driving on her way to church that night. And uh, there were also several UFO sightings reported in the area this time. Um, what do you think of all this? I did not know all these details until I. Uh, I read this book um, on the Flatwoods Monster uh, by George Dudling. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's a really good book. There's a lot of detail I had never heard of. I I don't believe I've read that one, but I've read uh, several different books that have accounts from Flatwoods in them. And does, does, I guess, does this match up with what you've read, too? For the most part, um, the one detail is that was kind of left out of this account was just how much time was spent by locals and people coming into the area trying to find whatever this thing was. I know in one report, uh, there were some type of markings on the ground that people thought were tire marks even though most people didn't believe vehicles could get up the hill to where it was. And then within a week, this just random guy was like, oh yeah, I took my daughter up there with our pickup truck. That might've been (laughs) our tire marks left up there. I think I had heard something similar, but not that much detail on it. Yeah, which is probably the most West Virginian thing you can do. Like, before Netflix, before the internet, it's like, yeah, let, let's just go on a good monster hunt, see see if we can find anything. I mean, I used to go, too. My grandpa had a uh, Ford Bronco. I mean, he wouldn't even say anything. He would just, we would just be driving down the road, and he would just go off off road <laughs> and drive over a creek and out in the middle of nowhere. 
I remember he did that one time. He he pulled up and uh, shot a deer that way. <laughs> just just we were driving. I guess he saw it from the road. He drove over to where it was at. Took out a rifle and shot it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't. You know, uh, people not from around these areas. You know, probably aren't used to that kind of thing. But yeah, I definitely could see that happening. It's happened to me. Um. Well, I mean, what do you think the town was like after this first one? I, I, I understand it was quite a mess there the next day with media. Yeah, um, it seemed like for a good bit after this, because this was one of the first big UFO events uh, since the Roswell incident, like you said earlier. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of professional media there but there was also a lot of at the time you had the emergence of the ufo newsletters and stuff so you also had a lot of amateur and kind of mid not professionally recognized but beyond amateur journalists there who also kind of descended upon this super small community i think project blue book also went out there if i'm not mm -hmm. mistaken i'd Pretty sure I read that somewhere. Well, do you want to uh, read off the next sighting story? I believe this one actually happened the next day. Yeah, th this is an interesting one. And at the end, I, I did some research because I had never put together a couple of the details in this. But mm -hmm. there is a fun little factoid at the end of this that I do want to bring up. So, okay, yeah. Our next story is said to have happened on September 13th, 1952, around 8 p.m. This is the day after our first story. George and Edith Snidowski? Snidowski? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're from New York. <laughs> Along with their 18-month-old son, were driving through the rural area between Clay and Braxton County on Route 4. Remember that little detail. This okay. is pretty cool. When their car suddenly died, it was dark and the road was deserted. That's when the couple noticed a strange glowing craft over the bank of the road near the edge of the woods... It was giving off a violet-colored glow when they rolled down the window to get a better look. They noticed a terrible sulfuric odor. George decided to get out of the car and see what that was. He walked a bit away from the car, trying to get a good look at the craft when he heard his wife scream, look out behind you. George turned around, and when he did, he was facing a menacing creature somewhere around 10 to 12 feet tall. Not waiting around to get a better look, George booked it back to the car. They locked the doors, rolled up the windows, and hid in the floorboards. The creature approached the car and began circling it as if it were looking for them. While it examined the car, they got a few glimpses of its appearance. They said that it hovered above the ground had very long arms and seemed to be particularly covered in a metallic suit. After it looked around a bit, it went back to the craft and entered. Then the craft took off after the couple came to their senses. 
they tried starting the car again. This time it did start and they drove away. They ended up at a 24 hour diner in Sutton where they shared their story with some of the locals. And this is probably how the story uh, got around town about this particular sighting. I I didn't notice anything about the colorization mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, So no idea on that. Um, And the uh, car uh, dying and not starting back up, it seems uh, to match up with a lot of uh, UFO encounter stories. Yeah, especially like electrical anomaly and mm-hmm. other. Um, but the thing I I didn't know that it was on Route 4 in between Clay and Braxton County. If you actually follow Route 4 and the Elk River uh, from Braxton County into Clay, the first community you will come across is Clendenning in Clay County, which is where one of the first winged humanoid sightings occurred before the Mothman hmm. um, event really took off. The two grave diggers that, oh, that initially one. saw, that was in Clendenning, which is also right along the Elk River. I had never really put that together before. Oh, uh, yeah. Um... So that's actually a couple hours away from Point Pleasant, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you follow the Elk River to the Kanaw River, mm-hmm. and then, then it's it just straight out. shot right to Point Pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do we want to get on with the last one? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so this last story... Um, did not come out until uh, several years later um, after the initial sightings, but is said to have taken place a few days before the original sightings of the creature. A resident named Audria Harper and her friend Betsy were walking to a store one evening in September. Um, About halfway into their trip through a field, Between their home and their destination, Audria and Betsy noticed a ball of fire in the distance on one of the hills they were passing by. Uh, Harper dismissed it, assuming that it was one of her neighbors fox hunting. Um, When she glanced back, the fire had vanished, and in its place stood a dark figure about three times the size of a man. Terrified, the girls ran but the uh, figure followed them roughly for about a third of a mile. Um, After crossing a gate at the end of a clearing in the forest, the figure appeared to stop and not come any closer. And after getting to their destination, the women found a man with a truck at a, a nearby bar who offered to take them home. So this one did actually take pl- place before the others, timeline-wise. So it was this one was first, and then they heard about the stories, and then years later came forward with the story. Um, the second one we read, I had heard, it, I mean, different dates for that one. 
I don't know about you, but I've heard the day after, I've heard a months after, even a year or two. I don't, I've heard different dates for that one. Yeah, I I think that one I've definitely heard. It definitely happened after the initial one, but it seems like it's kind of blurry exactly how late after it took. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I saw, I mean, I'd read a couple of things about a fourth sighting in the 80s. I, it's in this book. He didn't go into a lot of detail of it, but, uh, he said that, uh, almost the same kind of thing happened. A fireball crash lands. You see something that looks like Braxy but then it turns into a wolf. I don't think I'd ever heard that one, but that that is very interesting, especially the wolf element of it. Yeah, I thought I, so, too. I'd never heard about that one. And then I'd also heard a story of a, a UFO abduction story that took place somewhere else in the U.S. I forget where. And uh, the guy described creatures aboard the ship that kind of matched uh, the description of Braxy, which was also interesting. I can't find it. I I can't remember hardly anything about it. Um, I would like to find it again if anybody watching this knows. Let let me know. Um, Yeah, I'd like to find some more uh, Flatwoods Monster stories, you know. Is it an alien race that... uh, like this, maybe? That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. And I, I, I think it's also weird that all of the creatures have been described as roughly the same size. Yes. Between like 10 and 15 feet. Uh, when also in Braxton County, obviously there have also been a lot of giant humanoid sightings mm-hmm. with, like Bigfoot like creatures so mm-hmm. it, it could definitely be um, in some of these cases like the last one they just saw something huge chasing after them um, it could have been a Flatwoods monster sighting it could have just been a giant humanoid sighting mm-hmm. um, but yeah it, it is fascinating that there have been so many giant creature sightings in the Braxton County area. Yeah. Um, I've always heard strange things happen in towns where two rivers cross. I don't know if you have paranormal-wise. It, it seems like any area where two rivers cross is a hotbed, and I believe two rivers cross there. They cross Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant, South Charleston, where the... Uh, I believe the initial sheep squash sighting was. That's the Elk River and Kanawha River. Mm. And also Harper's Ferry. A lot of people uh, blame its paranormal activity to the fact that there's two major rivers that converge there. Yep. Um, There's a lot of ghost sightings there Mm -hmm. from uh, the battle place there yeah i i think 
really before people started settling there, it was just referred to even by the natives as uh, the hole in the ground. There was just no one really had any reason to even want to live there. It, it mm-hmm. was just a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and then where I live, there's two rivers, and, and there's a lot of uh, ghost activity. We've got the Little River and the New River cross here. Okay. And maybe there's something to that. Um, back to Braxy, uh, a lot of these... Uh, a lot of these authors that write these stories think that, uh, you know, that that's, that's a suit and there's something inside of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like it. They're talking about a metallic, uh, like armor, so maybe it's a spacesuit. Oh, another thing I read, there's like a shed or something around, uh, where the group of the, uh, seven spotted the Flatwoods monster initially. There was some old shed or storage building there, there that was there for years. And um, but it was always rumored that uh, the creature was in, like, if you hung around there, it would come get you. <laughs> that, yeah. That does very much sound like kind of a local urban legend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, whenever I was doing the tour at the Trans-Allegheny Asylum, um, there was, our guide said that there was uh, a barn, I believe on the backside of the property, that was always said you shouldn't go near it because escaped patients would, like, <laughs> that That would be the first building they would come across and hide in. So, but Yeah, yeah that, where, where I live, it was escaped patients from uh, the the haunted St. Albans sanatorium and and we've got like two or three haunted bridges and a haunted castle even that's uh, next to the new river which I I've got permission to go over there sometime and film that if uh, uh, the guy that owns it's having some health problems but I'm gonna eventually go over there and film that that's gonna be awesome it's a castle See, I think the only castle West Virginia has is the Berkeley Springs Castle. Oh yeah, and, uh, it's it's privately owned. They, I think the last owner did tours, but I think they stopped back in. I think even pre twenty twenty, they stopped doing hmm. tours, which I kind of hate. But maybe we can work something out with them one day. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh. Oh, we had a couple more notes. Um, it's it, Well, I guess overall, it seems like Braxton County was a happening place in 1952. Uh, I mean, I know I wish I could have seen um, some of those events. And uh, one of our fans named James, who li- actually lives in Sutton, uh, reached out to me um, when I was writing the story and told me that... Uh, his mother and uncle actually saw the uh, fireball over their farm on uh, Scott's Fork, um, and it was heading towards uh, Flatwoods just as the sun was setting. I thought that was really cool to include. Nowadays, the area has become quite the tourist attraction. There is the Flatwoods Monster Museum, an amazing spot to visit, 
then just a few blocks down the street, you have the West Virginia Bigfoot Museum, another awesome location. We've done videos on both spots. Then there's some haunted locations like the Elk Hotel. The owner actually did a really cool movie on the spot and its hauntings. Then the Haunted Heyman, this spot is really starting to shine now with some pretty famous investigators going there. I saw recently that Nick Groff went for his Death Walker show and the Tennessee Wraith Chasers were just there for some kind of event. Every time I go, there's a new business opening up all over town. Definitely an awesome spot to check out. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, deep dive story. Um, if you have a story you'd like to send in for us to feature on here, um, we've got a Google form where you can send us your story. It's in our description. It's on our link tree and the website. Uh, just fill it out and uh, send it in. We'll we'll read it on here. You know, as long as it's uh, you know viewer friendly, it's not something crazy. <laughs> And uh, we'd like, uh, again, um, be sure to check out uh, George Dudling's book, The Flatwoods Monster. It, it was a really good read. I got a lot of this information from here. And the Flatwoods Monster Museum also helped out with this story uh, and sent me some details. Big thanks to them. Um, and uh, also, thank you to our uh, Patreons, Alvin, Charles, Danielle, Donald, Jeff, Jordan, Julia, Linda, Shannon, Taylor, and Werewolf Radar Podcast. Make sure to check them out, guys. And uh, big thanks to Best Virginian for coming on as a guest. Um, I know you guys love it when we do a crossover with him. It was an honor to have you, as always, my friend. Oh, it, it's always fun to be here. I always love being able to work with you guys and just really the the – Appalachia supernatural community as a whole. It's always mm -hmm. awesome. It is. I've met a lot of cool content creators and I love working with all of y'all. And uh, be sure to check out uh, Best Virginians channel. Um, he's got a lot of similar content and some West Virginia travel content. Um, go over there and subscribe. Let's get him up to a thousand subscribers. He's not too far, guys. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Have a good one, everyone.